We're continuing our, our study in the book of John, Gospel of John. If you don't have Bibles with you, they're under the pews. You can grab one. And we're in John chapter 7. As we continue through this book, in verse 40. And so, John chapter 7, verse 40. You all join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for the sweet time that we've had in worship so far. We look forward to continuing to worship you and the study of your word right now. We thank you for what you accomplished on the youth retreat and just the way that you ministered to all of the, the junior high and high school kids. We pray that, that they would just continue to grow and love you and cherish you above everything else in this world. Thank you for Pastor Don and the time that he's had in Haiti and we pray that you continue to, to bless him and use him as he continues to minister and then heads home this week. Um, look forward to the, the marriage conference here at the church this weekend. And we just pray, Lord, that, that you would be the center of every part of, of that time and, and in our marriages, that, um, that we'd be in a, a place of just drawing near to you and depending on you and calling upon you. And Lord, we, we call upon you now as we enter your word. Enable us to, to not only understand it, but open our eyes, soften our hearts, bring us to a place where not only do we hear your word, but it, it, it affects us and it changes us and causes us to adore you above everything else. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 40. We're going to be looking at verses 40 through 53. John chapter 7, verse 40. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a great so there was a division among the, the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him but no one laid hands on him. And then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees and said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officer said, No man ever spoke like this man. And then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. We, we come to a, a passage this morning as, as we think of, of Jesus and the work that he has done and the words that he's spoken and, and the ministry that's taken place at, at, at this particular time, six months before he will go to the cross. And there's this, this crowd of people that are there. Um, a crowd of people like, like there could be today as well, hearing the gospel message go forth. And we see here that there's different responses that come to Jesus. Some of them say, 
Truly, this is the prophet. I mean, listen to what he's saying. He, he must be the prophet. They, they, they may be looking and, and saying he's just a prophet, but it seems that, that some of them are thinking, no, it may be bigger than this. He, he may be the prophet that has been prophesied of. Others say more clearly, no, this is, this is the Christ. We think he is the Christ. And others are there, and they're, they're talking, and they're hearing all that Jesus is saying, and they're saying, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not Scripture said that, that Christ comes from the, the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David is? And so it says, so there was a division among the people because of him. We, we look and we proclaim the gospel. We see that, that God, as his word goes forward, it falls upon all different types of, of people in ears. Some of these people are, are listening and, and saying, I think he may be more than just a teacher. He's a prophet. Others, he is the Christ. Others, I don't think so. And you look and, and I think of a congregation like ours this morning. There's people coming from many different perspectives. Here those that are saying, wasn't he supposed to come from the seed of David and, and from the town of Bethlehem? They, they come and they, they quote scripture. They know like he's supposed to come from the seed of David. He's supposed to come from Galilee, but they failed to do the research. We, we, we see in, in Luke chapter 2 that it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Remember? For everybody to be registered. So here's Joseph and Mary, and they're there, and this decree comes out. There's the census that's supposed to take place, and this decree goes out, and they're all supposed to go um, to be registered, everyone to his own city. It tells us Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the, the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The, the, the Christmas story, we look at it and it's just a um, number of facts as far as, well, this decree goes out. There's a census that's supposed to take place and Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem. And you look at this and it's just, we, we see God's hand on it all. Micah 5.2, a prophecy given that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And at that time, Caesar Augustus makes this decree and says, this is what has to take place. Everybody has to be registered. And, and here, Joseph's there with Mary. Okay, let's go. We need, if we need to be registered, we need to go to Bethlehem. That's where I'm from. They go. And she has the baby Jesus right there in Bethlehem, laid him in a manger, no room in the end. We look and we see all of it has been prophesied of. These people are, are, are hearing, he's coming from Galilee. He was supposed to be from Bethlehem, right? Not knowing and not researching, not looking further into it. You'll hear people do things like that today where they'll say things like, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. There's just, there's so many contradictions in the Bible. 
And when people say that to me, I, I usually say, well, can you show me one? Just show me one. No, no, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just know that there are, just, you know. It's always their response. You go through and they're, they're, look through Scripture, there is unity in it from beginning to end. And I, I look at it. You start to, to go through and, and show them. Look at these prophecies. Look at what was said. This was thousands of years before it happened. Look at the detail. Now let's look at the New Testament. It happened exactly the way that God said that it would happen. And you start to go through and, and you say, like, how could, how could this be unless God is the author of Scripture? And yet a lot of times people stop at, no, I've just, I've just heard, I've heard there's a lot of contradictions there. Rather than looking into it and seeing just how, I don't know how you can leave Scripture after studying it and, and not believe that it is truly the Word of God. God's plan of salvation from Genesis all the way through to the end of Scripture. Shedding of blood for the remission of sins. The sacrificial system, all of it going all the way through everything pointing towards Christ and seeing the fulfillment in Christ. It's incredible. But these people are saying, wasn't he supposed to be from Bethlehem? And so there's a division among the people because of him. And verse 44 says, now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Some of these guys wanted to take him immediately. They're hearing these things, and they, they want to take him. They want to put him to death. They want to do this, but they didn't because it was not yet his time. There was no chance of Christ being taken before his time. He was in control. He was sovereign over all these things. In verse 45, it says, Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers, these that are the guards, these are the ones that, that have been sent out by the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they're told, Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Go arrest him. Bring him back to us. And so here they go. And you know, like, in, in this day, if, if you're an officer, if you're serving for... The government, if you're there and, and, and you've been commanded to go and to do something, you don't question it, you, you do it. How much more in this particular time, if these guys are told, go get him, go arrest him, bring him back to us, are these guys in a place of, okay, we've been told by the, the chief priests, we've been told by the leaders, we've been told by the Pharisees that we are to go and we are to get him and we're to bring him back and we're to arrest him. And so they go. They go and they... They're there, and they're listening to him. They come back, and they're empty-handed. Chief priests, Pharisees, why? Why is he not with you? Why did you not? We gave you direct orders. Why is it that you have not brought him back like we commanded you to do? And the officers answer, no man ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like him before. You can imagine these guys that are there and they're, 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 they're hearing Jesus and they're listening and it's like, okay, we're supposed to take him. We're supposed to arrest him. But they're listening to him and saying, I'm, I'm not going to go. 
I mean, just this battle that's going on inside these officers as they know what they're supposed to do and they're just listening and saying, like, what are we going to do? Come back empty-handed. No one ever spoke like this man before. We're not going to take him. You look and, and you see what is taking place here. There's the Pharisees, there's the scribes, there's the Sadducees, there's the chief priests, there's these leaders that are there and they have, they have set up a system there that goes so far from even Judaism where they have laws and they have regulations. Not only do they have laws, but they have all kinds of books that surround the laws so there's no chance of you ever breaking the law. They have laws about the Sabbath. They have laws about tithing. They have laws about how far you can walk on the Sabbath. They have laws about everything that you could ever possibly imagine so that they would not break the law. And, and these are the leaders. These are the highest people. These are the ones that walk around and they, they, they say things like, I thank God that I'm not like other men. And they're, they're there and they're proud. And they look and they, they think of themselves as, I keep the law in its entirety. I'm better than everybody else that's here. They're the ones that are the wealthiest and they're the ones that are the leaders and they're the ones that call the shots. And in their minds, they've done it all. But here comes Jesus saying something totally different than what the Pharisees are saying, what the scribes are saying. You see, in, in, in John 7, in, in, in verse 37 and 38, where Jesus has just said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And these guys are listening to this. He says, out of their heart, rivers of of living water are going to come out. He's called on us, whoever thirsts, if there's anyone that thirsts, come and drink. And they're listening, just saying, nobody talks like him. Nobody speaks like him. I began, as I was preparing for the sermon, just to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and reading different things that Jesus said over the course of his ministry. And we have, many of you maybe have like a, a red letter edition, and you can see the words that Jesus has spoken. And, and for some of us, um, maybe at one point in your life, or maybe even even now, you, you, you put more weight in the red letters than you do maybe in all of the other letters. And I would discourage you from that. I look in, in all of Scripture is God's Word. It is God-breathed. It is exactly what God would have to reveal to us to where you can read through any of Scripture and it is, is, is as if Christ is saying those particular words. It is the Word of God. But I tried to put myself in these particular people's place and thinking, like, what was it that they heard? Now, obviously, we see in Scripture that the libraries, all the volumes in it couldn't hold all that Christ had said throughout his ministry. And yet, there are specific things that are recorded for us. And as I went through and I was reading just the words of the Lord and just going through chapter after chapter, book after book. It's going through and just looking and saying like, 
No wonder they said things like, no one has ever spoken like this man ever before. I mean, you go through all of the Old Testament and you look and you see what the prophets said and how they said it. And then you see what Christ says and how he says this. He says things like, I'll just kind of go through some of the highlights in, in the Gospels. Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Imagine all these people listening to what Jesus is saying. Okay, so the scribes, the Pharisees, they're the best of the best. I mean, if we could just be like them, I mean, that's why they have the most money, and that's why they, they go and they stand and they pray and everybody listens to them and they blow their trumpet when they're about to do something good and everybody sees all the good things that these guys do and they look and, um, at these particular people as just the best of the best. And Jesus says, I say to you this, unless your righteousness exceeds theirs, there's no way that you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You won't enter. If, if your righteousness doesn't exceed theirs, it's not going to happen. And all of them are looking saying, so I can't go to heaven unless it exceeds them. So what you're saying is they're not going. After all that they do and how they live, they don't get to go into the kingdom of God. He goes through and speaks about the scribes and the Pharisees in ways that nobody else ever would have during that time. He says things like in Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're hypocrites. You, you pay tithe of, of mint and anise and, and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. You tithe. You, you, you take all of your spices. You take everything that you gave. You say, okay, well, there's... Here's 90% for me and here's 10% for God. And you go through and you separate and you always, always tithe of whatever it is that you have. But there's weightier matters like justice and mercy and faith. And Jesus says to them, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Not only tithe of what you have, but also why is there no justice and how come there is no mercy and why do you have no faith? Blind guides. You strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. You're going through and you have all of your rules and you'll, you'll try to strain that gnat, but you swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. You you, you make it so that there's the, the cup is clean, but inside it's just full of junk. It's full of sin, extortion, self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so... You, are out, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. No one speaks like him. He's there saying, you, you look like you're all clean on the outside, but you're just like a whitewashed grave, a, a, a sepulcher. You, you look clean, but inside you're, it's putrid. You're dead inside. You look righteous on the outside, but inside there is no righteousness. You appear to be righteous to men, but... You're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. No one spoke like him before. And then he says things like, in Matthew 11, where he says, Come to me, 
all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice the way that he words things. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's speaking as God himself. He's not speaking as, thus saith the Lord, this is what God says. He's saying, no, you need to take my yoke upon you. You hear him say in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and have done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So, so when they're saying, no one ever spoke like this man, imagine them hearing things like that. There's those that are going to come to me. Not those that are going to stand before God. There's going to be those that come to me, and they're going to come, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord. They're coming to me saying, Lord, Lord. They're coming to me and, and saying, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. And then Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. I'm the judge. I'm the one that's going to be saying, no, you need to go away. Depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Those that hear the saints of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The authority in which Jesus speaks is like nobody has ever spoken before. You hear Jesus say things like where he, he sees a man with leprosy and, and the man says, if you're willing, I know that you could cleanse me. And Jesus just reaches out and touches him and says, I am willing. Be cleansed. None of us do that, right? No one, none of us ever goes to a place like, can you pray for me? Yeah, I am willing. Let me do this and I will heal you. I mean, there's some people that say they're Christians that do stuff like that, but they ought not to. You look and, no, if we're going to pray for healing for someone, we're going to pray, God, please. It's your sovereign. You're the great healer. You're in control. You can heal this person. You can make it so that they're totally made well. Not my will, but your will be done. Whereas Jesus here, I'll touch you. I am willing be cleansed. And then the leprosy is just gone immediately. I was talking with a, a friend of mine, Ted, who is heading to South Sudan this Tuesday. And, and he was talking about how he had gone to the leper colony that we had visited those people um, on several trips in the, in the late 90s. And you see these people, there's, the, the, their nose will be gone. Their fingers are stubs. Their toes are gone. Their feet are just tiny little stubs. They they, their, their eyes are just gaunt. They, they're, they're sunken in. They look so different than everybody else. You know that they have leprosy. And I guess picture Jesus saying, I'm willing, be cleansed, and watching the person just radically transform right back to normal again. Who speaks like that? Who says things like that? Think of when they 
They brought the, the paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus says to him, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Who talks like that? When these guys are saying nobody has ever spoken like him before, it's because nobody says your sins are forgiven you. Except for God himself. God alone can forgive sins. And the people knew that because immediately the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? What's well, easier to say? And, and they may be thinking, well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you. I mean, we, we could go to anybody and, and, and find somebody who's in a wheelchair who is unable to walk and go to them and say, your sins are forgiven you. And people may look and say, well, is it real? I mean, how do you know? I didn't see any change take place in that person. Jesus is saying, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or arise, take up your bed and walk. And then Jesus says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose, and he departed to his house. Who speaks like that? Who says things like that? Your sins are forgiven you, and just so you know that his sins are forgiven, arise, take up your bed, and go home. And he does. Jesus said things like, Whoever confesses me before men, I him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You confess me, then I will also, with my Father who is in heaven. You deny me, then I will also deny you before my Father who is in heaven. He is the one, he is Jacob's ladder. Sorry. He's... And these things I hate. Um, there we go. I fought hard against getting one of these things. I fought hard. I lost the battle. But he's Jacob's ladder. He's the one that is the one that makes it so that we can go to heaven, that we can go to the Father. There's only one way that you can get to heaven, and it's through him. And he's the one that says, believe in me. Confess me. Jesus said things like, Matthew 10, 38, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake, will find it. Radical. God alone speaks like that. You take up your cross and you follow me. You follow me. You do what I say. You do what I command. In Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. I mean, Jesus is talking about himself and saying, this is what it's going to be like. The Son of Man is going to come down with the Father. And it's I who will reward each one of the people who are there according to their works. In Matthew 17, verse 22, Now while they were standing in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. 
This is what's going to happen. They're about ready to kill me. I'm going to go, and I'm going to be betrayed. And on, they're going to they're put me to death, and then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Who talks like that? I mean, somebody may say, I'm going to go here, and, and I'm going to cause such a ruckus that they're going to kill me for sure. But you don't say, but then watch, three days later, I'm going to appear. You're just going to say, like, see, I told you. They killed me. You don't make a prophecy that makes it so that you got to do something after you die. He said it many times in Matthew 20 and verse 18. Behold, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they'll condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And on the third day, he'll rise again. It's in Matthew 20. Before Jesus even gets to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. Exactly what happened. This is what's going to happen. Matthew 20, verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's the one that's talking. Nobody talks like him. He's the one that says, I'm going to take my life and I'm going to give it as a ransom for many. They are going to crucify me. This is what's going to happen. In Matthew 26, 2, it says, you know that after two days, is, Jesus says, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. I'll tell you the exact day that's going to happen. It's going to happen on the Passover because way back when Egypt was there and there was the Passover and they took the, the lamb and I gave them all the instructions as far as take this lamb without spot or blemish. Take this lamb. Don't break its legs. Don't, don't break any of its bones. Take it, and you're going to kill it, and you're going to take the blood, and you're going to put it on the doorpost. And when my wrath comes over all the people, when I see the blood, I'll pass over those people. And so Jesus is here saying to these people, you remember the Passover? Well, in two days is going to come the Passover, and that is when I'm going to die. Two days. Because back there in Egypt, that was pointing towards me, and I'm in control, and this is when I'm going to die, and this is what's going to happen, and I will rise again on the third day. People don't talk like that. Matthew 26, there's those that are coming and Jesus has just been betrayed and this servant of the high priest gets his ear cut off and Jesus says, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to the father, to my father and he'll provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? It has to happen just like this. I could have 12 legions of angels come down right now and rescue me. I don't need your sword, but scripture must be fulfilled. There is a plan. This is going to happen. No wonder... These guys are listening to Jesus saying, nobody talks like that. Nobody speaks like that. You go through the book of Mark. Here's just a couple of them. Jesus says, the Sabbath was made, um, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm in charge of the Sabbath. This would have been something where the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the chief priests, even all the people would have heard this and said, you're in charge of the Sabbath. 
You're the Lord of the Sabbath. In Mark 4, 37, there's this great storm and the waters are beating on the boat. Boat's filling up. Jesus is in the stern asleep on his pillow and they wake him up. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So he arises, he rebukes the wind, says to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was this great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Don't think that when, when Jesus does these things that nobody talks about it when they get back. You've you, you got to figure that when Jesus gets back off the boat, he's there, they're there, and the disciples have to be going around like, okay, you're not going to believe what happened today. I mean, he just spoke, and the seas went still, and I mean, you're, just, you're not going to believe. I mean, who, who commands the wind and the sea? Who, who can do this? Everything, as far as we saw this man who was blind and he was healed. We saw this man who was lame, able to walk. This is what Jesus said. And that we know that this is the case because there's people that are bringing their kids to him, bringing other people. I know, like, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. I know if you just say the word, I could be healed. Why do they know that he, he can do that? Because they've heard of what he's saying to people all over the land. Think of when Christ is before the high priest. The high priest says to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. That I am is I am God. I am. Goes back to God calling himself, I am that I am. He says, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Who talks like that? In the book of Luke, there's this dead young man that's been carried out, the only son of his mother. She's a widow, Luke seven twelve, And there's this large crowd in this, from the city that's there with her. The Lord sees her, has compassion on her, and says to her, do not weep. And then he came, and he touched the open coffin, and, coffin and, and, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And so he, who, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Who talks like that? Who goes to somebody that's there in a coffin and touches it and says, arise. And so you, have the, so you know that he has the authority to say, arise. The man rose up, and Jesus says, come, come. Here's your mother. There's a blind man there, and near Jericho, begging. He cries out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who, who went before warned him that he should be quiet, and, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you will. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, gave praise to God. Who talks like that? Who says, receive your sight, your faith has made you well? I would love to do that. I would love to go to someone that's blind and say, receive your sight. Your faith's made you well. Jesus speaks like people do not speak and how nobody had ever spoken 
before him. Jesus predicted things like Judas and said, I'll tell you this before it comes so that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. He says things like, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. I'm God. They understood. They took up stones to stone stone him. Jesus says things like, I am the door. If If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. Good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. It's our Lord who said things like this. Jesus said in John 3, 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light came into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Believe in me, believe in me, whoever believes in me. He spoke like nobody had ever spoken before. And so these guys are there and they're saying, we're not arresting him. We're not taking him. Nobody ever spoke like him before. The Pharisees answered them and saying, are you also deceived? Did he trick you also? Verse 48, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Are you also deceived? Look at us. We're the rulers. We're the Pharisees. Have any of us believed in him? Look at the pride that's here. The pride of these people just saying, like, we're the intellectuals. We're the best of the best. Have you seen any of us believe? Are you also deceived? Are you also being tricked? Verse 39 says, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. This crowd, the, these uneducated people, this, this riffraff, the, these people that are there, they're accursed. Yet, they didn't know that those same people would be those who would spend eternity in the joy and the glories of the Lord. And yet for all eternity, these proud but blind Pharisees would enter a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Think of just how many people are here in this world today that think of Jesus and just think, no, that's for, that's for the uneducated people. We, we believe in evolution. We don't believe that God created everything. I mean, come on. God, I mean, that's like, that's like a long time ago. People don't believe that anymore. I think of, <laughs> just, I, I had a conversation with somebody that said that. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I mean, really? And I went through and just said, really? 
How do you think everything was made? Well, there's a big bang. Really? And you go through and you just start going through and just explaining. Let, I mean, let's just say there is a God. What do you think he'd be like? What do you think he would do? I mean, look at the animals that are there and you just start to go through. Like, Think of a giraffe. Think of a zebra. Not one of them has the same print. Look at the fierceness of a lion. Look how he made them. Look, look at their instincts. Look at what they do. Think of like DNA. Think of this molecular structure of you. Think of the most simple cell. Think of the fact that we're just the right distance from the sun. Think of how we eat plants and they give us energy. Think of how those plants grow. Think of if there was no wind. And you just go through and you just start talking to them and saying, like, doesn't it seem like there is a design to all these things? And I've had people just come to a place of like, okay, well, I'm maybe not an atheist. Because those that would think of themselves as the intellectuals, you break it down and, and you start going through and looking and saying, like, no, there, there is a designer to all of these things. Here's these proud Pharisees, and they're just saying, have any of us believed? Think of how many people are in the higher, quote, higher education at the greatest universities that would be there and, and just ridicule any professor who is a believer. And yet you go through and you start to look at what the evolutionist says and what God says. You go through and you look at what history says and what God says, and they'll say there was no such city as this, and then all of a sudden it will be revealed through archaeology. You might be here this morning and you're saying, nah, I'm not going to really, I'm too intellectual for that. Yeah, God would say, for see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has called the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God's called the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no flesh should glory in his presence. To think of us sitting in this room as believers and it's, it's not because we're the sharpest. It's not because we're maybe the most intellectual. It's not because we are the ones of the mightiest. We look and we say, God called us. God took his word, and you might be sitting here this morning as an unbeliever, and all of a sudden you're hearing all that Christ has said and saying, no man ever spoke like this, and how do you prophesy all these things? I mean, how do you even prophesy that you're going to rise again in three days? And how, how do you prophesy you're going to appear before all the disciples and appear before over 500 people at one time, and they're all going to believe it so much that the disciples, all, almost all of them, were put to death. You think of the 500 and, and, and those that are just following him, those that went to Africa, to Asia, to Europe, to all over the globe proclaiming the gospel and putting put to death for their faith because they saw him after he rose again from the dead. They saw him. Not to mention all of the other countless prophecies that have been given regarding Christ. And God opens your eyes and you see and you believe and you will not glory in his presence as a result. 
Verse 49 says, this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. There's Nicodemus who's there. The one who came to Jesus by night being one of them. He says, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? This is what the law says. Should we judge him before we hear him, before we see what he's doing? But they say to Nicodemus, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. They go and rebuke him. I would have loved for Nicodemus just to be right on his toes and be like, oh yeah, what about Jonah? He was a prophet. He came from Galilee. They're so proud in their place. No prophet ever came from Galilee, not recognizing that Jonah did. But there's so much pride that's there. And everyone goes to their own house. So you're about to go home or go out to lunch or wherever it is. What is it that you believe? If Jesus was there, would you be like the the Pharisees and say, I am too intellectual for this? Or would you be like the guards that are there saying, nobody ever spoke like this man before? In a place where it's not only has nobody ever spoken like him, but I will follow him all the days of my life. I will follow him. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. And all through Scripture, it talks about him and it points us to him. And it tells us that he is the only way to spend eternity in heaven. The world will say, you're a good person. Jesus will say something radically different. You're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. The world will say, God doesn't send anybody to hell. My God's a God of love. God would never send anybody to hell. Jesus would say something radically different. That narrow is the way to lead to everlasting life. There's few that find it. Wide is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's many that go that way. Christ is very clear. The question is, is is he God himself? Is he the one that is speaking? Is this the very words of God? And I, with 100% confidence, say, absolutely. It is God's word. Hear the words of the Lord this morning. And may us as believers worship him in spirit and in truth and all that is within us. And those who are hearing maybe the gospel for the first time, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would work in your heart and today would be the day of salvation for you where you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today and we thank you for just this picture that we have there in the book of John. These people who are there and they have so many different opinions of who you are, Christ, and yet we know that you are the Savior. The guard said, no one ever spoke like this man. And yet we look at not only the words that you spoke at that particular time or throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we look at the words that you've spoken throughout all of Scripture, fully confident that nobody has ever spoken like you. And it's you who we follow and love and serve and desire to spend all eternity with. It's because you have saved us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.